Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. This is your host, Lori LeBay, founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. <clears throat> and I just, again, want to thank you so much for joining us. Before we get started in our conversation today, I always like to give people a little background because we're always getting new listeners. So um, for those of you that are new to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, um, basically we're part of Alzheimer'sSpeaks.com, which is a um, a company that provides multiple platforms to provide um an ability to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort. And, you know, we're just an advocacy-based uh, organization. Um, myself, uh, my mom lived with the disease for 30 years, and I just thought we needed different ways, and we needed to start joining forces and sharing knowledge and having the everyday conversations that we do here on Alzheimer's Speaks. Um, you might be our next guest. Uh, we have people with dementia, we have family members, we have business professionals, researchers, advocates. Um, everybody is game to be on this show because it takes us all. And um, <clears throat> so when you hear of Alzheimer's Speaks, just think of working together and this collaboration. And we know this collaboration that we've started has really um, had some benefits um, in, in really far-reaching in amazing, amazing ways. And that's all thanks to you guys. You see, every time you like, you click, you share with your Pinterest peeps, your Facebook friends, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Twitter tribes, you're pushing out information to your sphere of influence. And we don't even know who in our own spheres is dealing with dementia because a lot of times they don't even know they're dealing with it. Um, or maybe they're not ready to come out and talk about it. So again, thank you so much. It got us recognized as the number one influencer online by ShareCare and Dr. Oz and we also were honored just this last uh, fall by Maria Shriver as an architect of change. And again, um, any of those accolades are because of you. Um, we did not do any of this work alone. It, it truly is uh, a heart-to-heart -heart, um, piece that we feel. I also want to mention that we are doing a cruise this summer, a conference and a cruise, which will be uh, November 11th through the 18th. And it's going to be a Caribbean cruise and I think the thing that's going to make this really different is I'll be a speaker as well as Cindy Lazinski, who is um, working with a Colorado kind of grassroots dementia-friendly group. But we are going to have four people with dementia be part of this conference. And I think their message is going to be really powerful and very insightful. So you can just go to alzheimerspeaks.com and find out more information about that. I also want to say if you're going to be in Little Rock, um, in Arkansas, I will be uh, doing a conference with them on Friday uh, called uh, Hope for the Future with uh, Arkansas um, Alzheimer's. And I'm looking forward to that. We're also going to be doing Thursday night a preview of the film His Neighbor Phil. Now, our guest today, I, I'm so excited to have her on the show. Um, she's a hoot and a half. 
And um, if you go purchase her book, um, it'll brighten your day, just the artwork alone on this cover. And I think it just goes hand in hand uh, with this woman's personality and spirit and drive to really bring um, hope and fun and laughter and great insights to the land of what she calls dementia land. Her name is Susan Collins, and she goes by Zuka. And she is an artist, a pianist, a muralist, a set designer for the Monterey um, Jazz Festival. And um, she's also a cartoonist. And now she says, and now I'm a writer. Um, And she's not quite sure how she landed there because she never saw herself as a writer. But I have to tell you, uh, she has wonderful writing skills. Um, Her book is an easy read and it's heartfelt, and you will continually kind of smile as she as she shares some of her experiences um, with you. It's uh, it's very intimate, it's whimsical, and um, it's all about memory loss and caregiving, and what she says, uh, dancing with the gypsies. And again, the book is called Wonders in Dementia Land. So welcome, Zuka. Hi, how are you? <laughs> uh, I am. I'm excited to have you here. Um, we've had some conversations uh, by phone, which have just been really fun. And uh, before we kind of talk about the book, can you tell us how did you land in Dementia Land? Can you give us a little background? Well, um, um, my mom had dementia, and at first, really, I didn't even know what it was. Um, I was visiting her. I live in California. And uh, I'm an artist, a painter. I kind of live the bohemian lifestyle, live in my studio. And it's kind of carefree and wonderful. And I would go and visit my mom in Chicago. And that particular year, I must have visited her about four or five times. There was something that was just, I don't know, I couldn't put my, my finger on it. And, of course, dementia and Alzheimer's never comes into your head mm-hmm. when it is in your family. You hear about it with other people, but no, 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 it's not going to happen in your family. But I, I just felt something was, I kept on returning, and every single time I returned, it just seemed that um, things were getting stranger with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of how, and then I ended up um, moving there the la- during my last visit. Wow. So I- what's the work what I want to get into and what I, what I kind of, why I called it Dementia Land so much was um, every time I, my last visit in particular, and this is like so key to it, is the last time I was there, I, I remember the limo taking me from the airport and dropping me off in front of mom's house. And the house was just, and I usually take the red eyes, so this was late at night. The house was absolutely all lit up. I mean, you could almost hear the sound and it was vibrating. And I thought, oh, my God. And I decided right then and there, I, I waited outside the door and I decided that, you know, I, I, I think I'm going to enter her world. I'm going to drop all my baggage. I am absolutely going to walk in there, not as a daughter, and I'm not walking into my mom's home. I'm going to walk in there cold. And that's kind of what started this need going into her world and into dementia land and what's really changed my entire outlook on this and my entire approach was I walked into this exciting kind of world and it was really it, it was really important I think it's really almost kind of valuable because I knew 
things were not the same. This was not my, this was not the mother that I was used to. This was not the situation that I was comfortable with. This was all different. Mm -hmm. And so I walked in there and I think that was probably the most valuable part of anything is when I walked in there. I just kind of dropped everything. I even dropped, I even dropped the motherhood of my mom. She was just this new person. And so I walked in there cold and it was, it was incredible. That's kind of what started it all. Now, can I ask, um, because a lot of times, uh, you know, everyone has different relationships with, with their parents. What kind of relationship did you have with your mom prior to the world of dementia entering? Did we lose her? Hmm. Zuka, are you there? You might have to call her back. We're not quite sure what happened. It, from our end, it looks like she's here. Um, <clears throat> so while uh, Wyatt is giving her a holler back, um, I'll just fill some air here. Um, the book is absolutely, like I said, it's just kind of fun. It's an orange background, and it's kind of got this cartoon and very, very fun. You back with us? Yes, I'm here. Well, we're not quite sure what happened. That was kind of strange because it looked like you... I know exactly what happened. That was my mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, hello, no, Mom. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> well... Come on. What, has that ever happened to you before? <laughs> that was That was different. You know, you never know. My mom does stuff like that, too, so I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. Oh. Um, so I was so I, I was just asking you about, you know, what your relationship with your mom was like before dementia hit. It, it, was, it was a normal, I'm going to say, I, I almost think it's almost unimportant whether I was, it's just it's so different than new one. I was not. A painter. I was not an artist. I was not anything anymore. I was, I was myself. I was this person. She was not um, a mother with wishes for her daughter and hopes for her daughter. And why didn't this happen? Or why? It just stopped. We were naked in front of each other. Something happened, and there was a lightness that just that was incredible. Wow. Well, and, and dementia does kind of strip you down in terms of you can fight the battle or you can really just be your authentic self. And that's one of the things I always tell people with my mom is she became the safest place for me to go because she didn't oh. judge anymore. Exactly. Isn't that amazing? It, and, you, and then you end up dropping all the stuff that you're supposed to be. Yeah. That we even put on ourselves. Yeah. And you, you, know? and you don't even know... Anyways, I didn't. I didn't realize to what extent that played a role in my life, and oh, until yeah. I didn't have to play that role anymore, and then it was like, wow, you just feel so much lighter, <laughs> and you're able to have more fun, and it's just, um, <clears throat> I talk about it as being a, a different layer of unconditional love and just this deep gratitude that you kind of fall into yeah. for what's before yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. 
you lose that self-awareness, which is really wonderful. Yep. Because you become, you really find something so much deeper. It's like me being a writer now. Mm -hmm. I would have never in a million years thought I would write. Mm -hmm. But I just got out of myself. And I re and how I wrote the book was every single morning. At 7 o'clock in the morning, I'd go walk down the street. There was a Starbucks there. And I would sit there and I would write from 7 o'clock in the morning to noon. I did that for a year and a half every single day. When I got there, I was not anybody. That's why I also, I guess I didn't write in my studio because the studio was still so neat. There, I was nobody. Mm -hmm. And I, there were homeless that came in at that time. It was the weirdest combination of people. And I just was in an environment that just didn't belong to anything. Mm -hmm. And something about 6.30 in the morning, 7 anyway, it's kind of it's a really magical time. So I did that every day. That's not me. That isn't. That doesn't fit who I am. But you just you drop that self-awareness of what you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And you, you go into this. And dementia, it's like, it's wonder. It really, I, I found it wonderful. I remember when I came home and I told people, you know, they said, oh, I heard your mom had dementia. I'm so sorry. And I, I remember that first reaction. I went, what are you talking about? It was like, I truly was in, and I called it a Fellini movie, which is probably outdated to a lot of people, but it's like being in a Harry Potter movie, I guess. It was just magical. It was just, it was, it was really quite wonderful. I, I loved it. And I remember leaving when at the end and I had to go back home and there was a weight put back on me. I mm -hmm. couldn't, there was a weight. I, I didn't know what it was, but it was like a, a heavy coat to go back home. And I love my home. I love my studio. I mm -hmm. love everything about it, but I was back in the world. Yeah. Well, it's, all this conventional stuff. Yeah. Oh, where the judgment is and the roles need to be played and the expectations are. And, oh, God, yeah. And you don't realize how much that drives us and plays us and, like you said, weighs on us until yeah. we let go. Um, we need them to a certain extent to live. Mm -hmm. I mean, because otherwise we would be run over all the time. But it, the dementia was just being with my mom was just very refreshing for me. Mm -hmm. It just was. I found it incredible. Now, one of the things our audience will probably want to know is, you know, did you take care of your your mom um, full-time yourself, or did you have help? Was Did you move into her house or just visit there, or how, how did it work? Well, the for the longest time, well, not the longest time, probably about nine months, I was there like five times. I kept them flying back. Mm -hmm. And the last time, she um, was in the hospital, and the um, doctor said, you know, she has dementia. And she has dementia, by the way, from meningitis encephalitis. Mm -hmm. So she didn't have Alzheimer's. She didn't have anything else. But she got it from this, and it was going to be a rapid dementia, she said. And I said, okay, well, I guess I, I'll stay. And I, I'm assuming in my head I had a plane ticket for a month. I thought, oh, three weeks, it'll be okay. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had no conception of what was going to actually happen, or at least I avoided it. And so anyway, um, so the doctor told me, um, I says, okay, I'll, I'll take care of her. And he says, no, she can't live alone. I said, yeah, I, I know that. I hear you. I'll, I'll move in. And um, he said, you can't do this by yourself. 
And at that time I had, well, I had two sisters, but they both lived in California and they both had families and jobs. And so I kind of was the one who was probably the most logical. But nevertheless, he says, you can't do it yourself. He says, I can't release her until you hire somebody. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I had to hire somebody. Now, it was weird because I had to figure out a way to do this to my mom, to explain this to my mother, because she still wasn't, you know, she was talking and she was, you know, conversing. There was communication back and forth. So I told my mom, I said, Mom, I'm, I got this idea. I think we need a secretary here. I'm going to just move in and I'm going to have my office over here in the garden room. And I think we need a secretary between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And so instead of calling her a, a caregiver, uh, she, uh, she was a secretary. What was wonderful about this is mom had to know that she was losing some of her senses. I mean, that something was wrong and she couldn't do the things she was able to do. Mm-hmm. So the burden was no more on me. So she didn't feel like she was that I was forced to stay there and take care of her. She still had that sense of, oh, now I'm a woman with a secretary. Mm-hmm. There was a certain thing about it. And it took that that guilt away from her because because she didn't have to feel guilty. You know, that's taking pressure off her. Can you imagine someone with dementia, who's got dementia, and you look at your family going, oh, my God, they're going to have to take care of me. No, they're going to go through so much pain. Oh, why is this happening? They have to think of the family and what they're going to go through. So I kind of took that away from her where she just didn't have to worry about that. Now she has a secretary. And now the first one I hired, of course, uh, that it didn't work. I had to go through about four or five. But, but this one I had was perfect. She, we were like partners. We were like, it was perfect. And she needed it, especially, you know, and I think everybody knows that towards the end. I kept mom in the house only because it just, I know she wanted it. And I know you can't always do what people, what they'd like, but it seemed to work out. The -hmm. arrangement just seemed to work out. And this woman was a European lady and she spoke a little bit of my mom's language, which was Slovak, which she's even helped tremendously more. So we had that. It just it just worked out for us. So that's how that's how that worked. Okay, well that's interesting. Yeah, but you know, and I have to have that. A lot of that was I had to drop my own ego and my own Mother Teresa ness, so to speak. You can't do it by yourself. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. But you, you, you have to go out and reach for help. You, you can't be somebody, you can't be a hero. It's not helping you. It's not helping them. It's not helping anybody. And sometimes you can't also expect other family members to walk in and help you. You know, everybody takes this differently. Everybody looks at dementia differently. And sometimes it's really, really hard for other members of your family. You might be the one that's in there helping but for other members, they can't emotionally take it. You've you got to kind of look at the whole picture. And that's why sometimes bringing in outsiders is really the perfect way to go. It's just, it just takes pressure off of everybody. Well, and one of the things, you know, you just mentioned was 
looking at not everybody can do this. I mean, you really let go of the ego. You let go of the standardized roles and the expectations of, you know, you're the, if it's children or spouse or whatever, this is, this is your responsibility. You have to do this because not everybody um, is good at doing that. Not everybody wants to do that. And, and that can um, turn into a really ugly situation if somebody is forced to do something. I don't care if it's taking care of somebody else or something else. If they don't want to be in that space, if they don't want to own it, if they don't want to be authentic with it. Um, and then when we're dealing with a vulnerable adult, that gets really spooky, you know, or, or it can. And well, so, it's not even a matter sometimes of wanting to do it and not wanting to do it. Your personality, I watched all your tapes. I watched <laughs> your tapes with your mother. Uh-huh. You are... That's your personality. Mm-hmm. That's how you see things. That's why I love, when I saw that, I had to get in contact with you because you and I think the same. <laughs> I was the same way with my mom. Not everybody is. They just look at life different. They look at everything different. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really hard. It's not that they don't want to. And then most of the time they want to, but they're harder, their disposition or whatever it is, how they look at life. It isn't there, so then they go through their guilt, and it just it, it ends up being a huge, big circle of just of all this chaos, you know. That's not like I said. Everybody just looks at life different. Yeah, well, and I hope that my mom totally different than anybody. I think. Well, and trying to change somebody else um, <clears throat> can add so much more stress. I mean, I, I remember trying to fix my brothers, you know, because they, and we've always thought very differently. My younger brother probably thinks more like me. My older brother and I are like night and day, and we look at each other and just kind of go, how can we be part of the same family? And I know we're both thinking that because we are so opposite, and yet... I spent a lot of time time trying <clears throat> to get them to do what I did because I thought it was the right way. I thought it was what yeah. we should do. I thought it was what my parents um, expected and 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 also deserved. And yet, when you try to force somebody to do something, it, it like I said, it, it comes out twisted, and it's not comfortable yeah. for anybody. Instead of just letting people be who they are and participate yeah. at whatever level they're comfortable with, um, I also didn't want the chaos to come into the house. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to be a fanatic about this. I had a visitor once who came in, and when she came into the house. She looked at mom like, like she like my mom was pathetic or something. Mm-hmm. And she leaned over and she started asking her, "Do you know who I am?" And she's talking slow. And she and I thought, "Oh my God!" As I'm noticing this, my mom was in a chair. She was sitting like in a wheelchair. Her shoulders kind of moved in a little bit. And then she leaned over where she had more of a hump on her back. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, <laughs> it's like going through a depression right in front of me. Not only that, I feel like doing it. It's like the weight of that was, uh, I remember when I was a little kid and I was only six years old and somebody came into the store, we had a cleaning store, and they brought their little girl and to meet me. And I had... I had a torn skirt probably, and I probably had dirty knees, and I probably had my hair was a mess. I was kind of a tomboy. And this other girl that came in was so neat and clean. It's a cute little dress. And I remember my 
I came around the corner to meet these people, and the woman took her little girl's hand and just pushed her a little bit behind her, like if don't get close to that girl, you know, you might get dirty or something. I don't know what it was, but those kind of reactions, the little little things, make such a huge difference. Mm-hmm. So, I, and what I ended up doing was, I ended up getting balloons. I got these large balloons. They were about three feet, three feet around. And the balloons were of Dora and Elmo and Miss Kitty, Princess Belle, the Cookie, SpongeBob, all kind of characters. And I lined them up from the front door all the way to this one room that my mom was staying in. So that by the time the visitors came to the front door, first they were, they couldn't help but go, what the hell? And all the balloons, by the way, were above eye level, which means that everybody who walked in had to raise their head and look up. Mm-hmm. By the time they got to my mom, who had SpongeBob and Dora, and I think it was Princess Belle all behind her, they had a smile on their face. It mm-hmm. changed the entire atmosphere. It, it it was unbelievable, and it it changed everything. It changed them. It changed my mom was lighter, and it it was wonderful. It just worked. Oh, how neat. Um, one of the questions that our audience um, is always interested in is, how did you manage finances? You know, because that's just such a, can be very burdensome to to many, many families. Well, a couple things I did. I have to admit, during the year um, when I was visiting, I noticed, uh, I don't know what path we're going down to, but something's got to be done here. And I remember a friend of mine telling me, better get in to be an executor of her will. So as it turned out, I told my mom, I said, Mom, listen, I was thinking about this. We're two single women. Now, I have nobody, and you have nobody right now. So I'd like you to be on my checking account, and I'd like you to be executor of my will. And I think I should be executor of your will and on your checking account. That way, if anything happens to each one of us, we can help each other out. Mm-hmm. Well, Putting it that way, it made logical sense. And I knew, you know, what difference does it make if my mom's on my checking book? I mean, she's not even walking out of the house, so it's not going to harm anything. So that's how we took care of that. Now, when it got down to where I had to hire someone and thinking about finances, I I decided to mortgage her house. Mm -hmm. You know, at that time, especially around now, you know, 80% of people over 65 own their own home. That's, I mean, so that's a good chunk. So I'm figuring, you know, this isn't something that's just out there. I mean, a lot of people own their own home. I just went and had a mortgage taken out of it. It's her money. Mm-hmm. It's her mind. It's, and that helped. That helped a lot. And, of course, I was there and everything. But it, that helped. It, yeah. And that's what I did. Okay. Now, you know, when you said you added your mom to your account and, and you to hers, yes. um, the only thing I just want to mention, and every state's a little bit different, but you have to be a little bit careful, too, um, with that, because depending on if they're on as a as a true owner of the account or if it's, um, you know, kind of upon de- upon your death where they can step in, it can it can be looked at differently, but just yeah, you know. Be- I also had a lawyer involved in this, so you know he did help me out throughout. And this was in Illinois, mm-hmm. so the lawyer, 
I did suggest this is what I'm going to do to just, I got the ball rolling though, more than anything. I got her thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And the minute he thought, oh, well, then that makes sense. I can help my daughter just in case anything happened to her. And pretty soon with the lawyer, we had it all figured out. Well, and that's great. I know with my folks, we, um, I was trying to get them to get their paperwork in order. And my dad would say, oh, we just don't have that much, you know. And I said, well, but you do. You have you have more than you think you do, and it needs to be protected. And he just like, oh, he didn't want to go to the expense of hiring an attorney. And finally, my husband and I said, you know what? We need to do this, too. So why don't we just do it all as a family? So, you know, it was time for us to update our wills and our health care declarations and, and the whole nine yards. And so we just all did it together because then it's not an end of life yeah. thing. It's not a, you're different thing. It's a, this, we should all be taking care of business here, you know, to live, right. to live. Right. Well. Right. Yeah. Cause my mom never, she didn't do that. Like, mm-hmm. She didn't. And yeah. so I had to figure out a way to make it where, where she thought it was a better idea for me. And then she just, we had a lawyer that took care of it all. Yeah. <laughs> and it did work. Yeah. Now, you had, I was surprised it was that easy, but it did. <laughs> now, you had mentioned in dealing with your mom, you you kind of let go of her her motherhood, you know, in terms of losing your mom. How did you how did you get to that space and allow her just to be a special person in your life without expectations of who she was and what your relationship used to be? Well, I think I I think it started really almost at the front door. I went through this year of it. Mm-hmm. And every time I would come, she was just different, and I and I I enjoyed the differentness. It to me was like another part of her personality. But every time I came, there was, and I never thought of it as as losing her. Mm-hmm. I thought of it as finding her. I thought I was meeting my mom for the first time. I I felt like I saw all the ages of my mother. I felt like I saw her being little and I saw her being single and I saw her being, I didn't know she was this funny. I, I didn't know she was that. I just saw so many parts of her. So I never, I never thought I lost her. I, I probably lost her title of being a mother by definition. Mm-hmm. Although I still called her mom all the time, but I called her mom not so much because of what the word means as much as the sound. Mm-hmm. I was, fascinated with the word, with the sound of mom. Um, I, it, it's like that, that, that saying, um, you know, when you're, when you're doing meditation, there's something that's, the sound is so relaxing and refreshing and soothing. Um, I never use the word daughter mm-hmm. um, because, we, I mean, really the sound of daughter is, is harsh, the D and the T and the, it's just, I found it to be a harsh word. I got to look at everything. I never questioned her. I never asked her, who am I or who is this? Or I let that go. I just let it, I let her be more. I had an album, they always say bring pictures. I had the albums there. I had on the table, I had uh, her album, and I also had magazines, fashion magazines, because she loved fashion. Mm-hmm. She would go to the album by herself. I never went with her to the album unless she asked me to come. 
to, she would sometimes would go through the album and just go through the pictures herself. And I'm not sure if at the end she went through the pictures just like she went through the fashion magazines, that they were just nice pictures. If she asked me about who's who, but I never, ever pushed it. I didn't want to put her on the spot. I didn't want to question her. I, she was, she was definitely, I can't say that I just left her alone and didn't, um, and didn't communicate with her because the communications was, was quite a bit, but the communications wasn't about the past. Communications wasn't about her, who are you or who were you in life or what is your stature? What is your title? So I kind of, I just left it alone and, because when you think about it too, at that particular time, I was not an artist. I was not a painter. I was not a, a bohemian artist, I guess, living in a warehouse. I was this person. We were, and I knew she knew me. I knew she knew me so well. So if I'd walk into the room, from the time I walked in the room, she, her eyes were right on me until I wherever I went. Mm-hmm. And I knew she was close. She would look at me sometimes. We would do these staring games. I'd just look at her. I I guess I don't like the word stare, but she would look at me. And it's like she looked way deep inside of who I am. I mean, I don't even know who that person was that she was looking at. Mm -hmm. I haven't found that person yet. It takes us a lifetime sometimes to, to find out who we are. But she would just, go inside of me that I have to stop looking because I just got scared. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got scared about who she was seeing, who she was finding. She saw more of me than, than, than anyone. I, I just found it, I found it amazing. I did less, like I said, less questioning and less trying to bring her back to some flat world and let her just be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always wondered kind of where my mom went because I just felt like she, you know, she had gained so much knowledge and so much wisdom about life, even if she couldn't communicate the way she used to. Um, there was yeah. just this sense of knowing. Um, oh, is it oh. That's why I loved you so much. When you said that in one of your tapes, I went, oh, that's it. That's exactly what I saw. Exactly what I saw. Yeah. It's... And I think it was because we let them be. Mm-hmm. We just let them be. Yeah. Well, even when you were saying, you know, sometimes your mom would go look at the photo album without you. Well, why wouldn't she? She would have done that before dementia. Why? Why is that not okay now? You know? Um, but I think it's because as as care partners, caregivers, care companions, whatever you want to call us, we always think that we have to hover, we have to monitor, and we have to supervise, and we have yeah. to engage. And, you know, sometimes they just want to relax and, and let their mind go where it needs to go. And, um, and, and that's perfectly fine. None of us wants to be busy or um, dealt yeah. with all day long. Exactly. I, I love the one story. I took her out to dinner one time. I think it was, well, it was the last Thanksgiving. She was not talking at all. Mm-hmm. But I said, let's go, let's, let's go out for Thanksgiving. And I, I think uh, Sabina was with us and also her brother. 
And we went out and um, we sat down and, and everybody's kind of talking. In the whole restaurant, of course, everybody's talking. And mom's not saying a word and she's staring at me. So I'm looking at her. Mm-hmm. And she gives me a wink in her right eye. I don't know why, stupid me, I look around like, who's she winking at? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, she's looking at me. And so I wink back. And then she winks with her left eye. <laughs> and then I try and wink with my left eye and find out, you know, I found out that I'm a right eye winker. I can't do it with my left eye, not without distorting my whole face. Mm-hmm. So she did it. Then she goes back to her right eye. <laughs> she's going back and forth. Well, pretty soon, Steve and, and, and uh, Sabina, they stop, and they're looking at us like we're spectators in a sport. We're going back and forth and back and forth. The people next to us said something like, God, are they, is she a crazy woman or what is it? Well, pretty soon they stopped talking, and they started right-winking and left-winking. <laughs> there were tables around us, and we're all going back and forth. And I thought, oh, my God, this woman... My mom, who can't talk, has really can. I mean, she's communicating. It was incredible. It, there's something about that. I did a whole chapter on it because I was so fascinated with this right wink, left mm-hmm. wink, and how she communicated. And it didn't have to be the conventional words and the conventional stuff. It was just she said a lot. She said quite a bit. Well, and it was fun, and it was... It was fun and it was funny and it was um, intentional and it was engaging and um, it it got people. And it was all her. Yeah. All her doing. Yeah. I I think, um, you know, one of the things that I try to teach is, um, you know, our communication is so much more than words, yet we keep trying to force words. You know, ah, exactly. and, and that's a perfect example of the nonverbals and the power yeah. of them. You know, I mean, for your mom, it probably almost turned into a joke, you know, of, okay, yeah. you know, kind of a standoff at who can do this the most, kind of like a stare <laughs> down, except in a different format. And then to, I, she had to just be hooting and hollering inside when she saw other people <laughs> joining in, you know, how, I, how fun I, is that? I just, I know, I, I just amazed but i would have missed it if i didn't just be quiet mm-hmm. that's the part i would have missed it if i didn't if i was one that said mom this tell me how you feel and tell me what you want to eat tell me this. if i would have just not paying attention <laughs> yeah or it wasn't even paying attention as much as just be quiet susan shut up yeah don't just be quiet. Yeah. Well, we're we're not comfortable with quiet, though. I, I you know, one oh, of God. one of the things too that I liked you say that you said was that you didn't really feel like you lost your mom, but you found more of her. And oh, I, I totally, totally relate to that because I, <laughs> I say, you know, my mom taught me how to play again because I got so serious as an adult, and she got I me know. to kind of lighten up and go, you know, you're not all that, and you know if. if you don't answer your phone or your pager, the world will continue to spin, Lori. I know you don't believe it, you know. And Your um, mom was so cute. Oh, I loved some of those pictures. She's adorable. Oh, God. And I thought of your mom next to my mom if they were in one room. Oh, my God. 
With the balloons and the hats and everything going on. Your mom would have had a great time. Oh, yeah. She liked to party, that's for sure. So, yeah, even even when she was, we'd have birthday parties and we'd have kind of smaller gatherings, maybe 20 family members or something, which still isn't really small, but compared to what we used to do. And she would fall asleep in her wheelchair and the little kids would be playing underneath the table. And right before they would crawl out, and nobody knew really where they were because we were all busy doing adult stuff, I watched my mom repeatedly open her eyes because she knew the kids were coming out of the table. And then she'd smile and she'd giggle, and then she'd go back to sleep, and they'd go play again. And then right before they were ready to come out, she would open her eyes. I mean, she was so in tune on a whole different level. I just, I just can't say enough about it. I wish... Uh, well, I only have one YouTube of my mom, and mm-hmm. I love the one where I'm, I ended up actually asking her questions, even though I say I never asked her questions. But I was filming her, and I asked her how she's doing, and I said, do you have any children? And she says, she looked around and said, um, I don't know. And I said, you have three girls, Mom. You have three beautiful girls. And she paused again, looked around, and said, are you one of them? And I don't know why, but that absolutely cracked me up that she questioned whether I was one of the beautiful girls. Mm -hmm. But um, tapes like that, or even for your viewers to go and see your mom, you know, there's something about, I hate going on there and seeing all these heavy, depressing stories because some of that you bring to the table. Mm Mm-hmm. So some of that you got to own, that you bring that to the table. And there's a lightness there. And if you don't want to miss it, you don't want to stop it, you don't want to prevent it, you just want to look. You just want to be quiet and just look. Mm-hmm. And expect something wonderful because it's right there. Well, yeah. And you're, you're only going to find what you're looking for. And so that's a big perception that we have to remind people of in order to shift perceptions if you're going to look for grief and loss and you know exhaustion you'll find it you know or if you want to focus on love and joy and contentment um, and peacefulness it's all there it's all there and and it's not going to be there 24 7 because nothing nothing is in our life you know our emotions change um, their emotions change, you know, their moods change, our moods change. And they'll be the first to tell us that a lot of times we're the one walking in with the bad mood. They were perfectly fine until we showed up and then they mirrored back what they saw. Exactly. That, uh, that is, everybody knows this. I don't know why they don't realize that that's what happens with dementia too. I mean, you know, you go to a party and someone comes in who's a, a pain in the neck and you know darn well the whole tone of the party changes. Yep. I mean, it's it's so that's what happens with dementia. You walk in with that. Well, that changes everything. Yeah. It just does. Well, but people don't like to look at themselves as to how could I be contributing. So then when the person with dementia is sad or mad, then it's their problem and now yeah. it's our problem to fix. And yeah. so then we demand an answer instead of going, oh, Maybe maybe I started this all, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and we waste so much time not taking not going deeper, but we go broader, and you know and and we get um, I think more aggravated because we're not really seeking truth. 
We're just trying to make it go away. And the disease isn't going to go away. The symptoms, they're going to change. But they're not, you know, it's not something we can control. And so, you know, for my mom, I mean, she she taught me, and I, I still struggle, you know, with control. But, you know, my mom really taught me it's it's okay. You don't have to be in charge of everything, and you can't fix everything. <laughs> and, you know, and I kind of thought, you know, growing up in the 50s, that was my role. You know, I, that's, that's, I, was, I was the fix-it girl ever since I was a little teeny girl. And um, that was quite the blessing to learn to be able to say, no, I don't need to do that. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll pass on that. I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a big, that's a really big gift um, to, yeah, to realize. So, yeah, it's very, very interesting. Well, I want to talk a little bit about your book. I can't believe this hour is flying by so fast already. <laughs> um, there's just so many um, pieces in here. Um, and like I said, I just, I love the color and the design. Um, but, you know, in the beginning you have, you have um, some verbiage here that I just, I'm going to read. And it says, my mother forgot how to fit into the past. She forgot how to see into the future. She only knew of today where she was able to see all of herself centered in the middle of spectacular. And I just think, how, what, how beautiful is that? You know, there's just, there's no baggage. There's no expectations. And, and she could frame her world into whatever she wanted it to be. And, you know, a spectacular is, is a pretty cool place to be able to be. And, you know, if they can, and I, and I do believe people with dementia are here to teach us um, how to, how to live better, how to live more gracefully um, with one another, because we're so fast paced and we do need to slow down um, quite right. a bit. But I just thought that was just such a powerful statement. Can you tell people how you broke the book down and, and what they might find if they, if they go purchase this? Well, um... Um, I guess they're going to get a whole, whole different look at dementia, a mm-hmm. whole different, there's a gift here. Um, there's something to be learned. Um, it's almost when you read that quote, I was thinking of also seeing this spectacular part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start dropping all that baggage, it's like incredible. Um, and it, and also, oh, God, I don't know. I, I'm so in love with this book. I'm so, I don't even know how I wrote it or who wrote it. Everywhere I go, I don't stop talking about dementia. There's a gift here. There's just something about it. Like I said, when I left dementia, when I just felt the weight of the world back on me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something there that we're all supposed to learn. I mean, if we can go into dementia land for that short amount of time, Maybe if we go and visit them, if we can go into their world, mm-hmm. leave yours behind, literally leave it behind and go into their world. And just, even if you have to just sit there and look, you're going to, going into, going there is, 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 is valuable. It's valuable for yourself. It's valuable to carry us further. You know, things don't just happen for without a reason. I believe my mom had dementia and I was the middle child as an artist with a, you know, I was the one to go for a reason. Um, mm. I got a lot out of it. Um, my paintings have changed. I've changed. 
the book came out of it. And there's, there's, there's something there. And it's a delightful, delightful book. I, I just, I don't want that. There's so much in parts of the book that I kind of don't want to give it a lot away, but it's very fanciful. And I went into, I went into her mind in a way. You know, mm-hmm. we make a lot of assumptions that, oh, my God, when she goes away, I, I was curious when she disappeared and I, I didn't know where she was going. I, I wondered, I made up stories where I thought where she might go. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever drive someplace where you're in the car and you drive, and half hour later, you don't even remember driving there? Mm-hmm. You went someplace. You remember kind of where you went, but you don't remember the driving part. And that's what I thought my mom was in the same place where she went someplace. Maybe she went back to visit a place that she was at during her lifetime that she never paid attention to. And have you ever been someplace where it was wonderful, but you were so busy thinking about, oh, I got to do this and I got to do that, that you missed the adventure in front of you? Mm-hmm. Maybe she was going back to those places to steal it. We don't know. Yeah. And so uh, I brought in dancing gypsies. <laughs> I brought in, which because in the middle of the night, I did find her once dancing and all by herself. I'm like, what? Ah, right in the middle of the floor. I found wonderful. And so there's dancing gypsies and there's, oh, there's all kind of wonderful stuff in the story. And then also my imaginative way you know you know when i was back home i i talked to Giacometti and picasso and all those guys all the time and i thought and then there's a comparison to this artist and her kind of wonderful imaginative whimsical way and this woman with dementia and i remember in a one reading group the person one of the persons asked who has dementia again the daughter or the mother mm-hmm. <laughs> um, kind of funny well, um, and it just it just shows um, the perceptions that people have. I mean, you can't always tell, you know, when it yeah. comes to dementia, and it really does it really matter, you know? No, does it really matter, or is it just another person who needs to be treated well, and who needs to be included in a conversation or an event or life, you know, in general? Um, Right, you know, it's it's powerful, powerful stuff. Um, now I know you have um, the book uh, again is called Wonders in Dementia Land, and okay. it's available on Amazon. Um, you mm-hmm. also have a website um, by that name, dementialand dot com, and a Facebook page by the same name. And people right. can, people can also find you on um, Facebook um, at s u z k a and then Susan with two S's, um, Collins. And mm-hmm. um, you've got a, um, a Twitter, an Instagram, and a Pinterest, all under Dementia Land as well. Right. And, and then um, as far as email, um, they can reach you via your website then too. Is that correct? Yeah. You know what? It's probably easier by the website. Just remember DementiaLand.com, and right there you can go to my email. Okay. Well, wonderful. Are, is, is there anything else that you want to make sure that, that people know about about you and your book and your mom? I just think the book's important. I really do. Mm-hmm. I'm really caught up in this. It's, it's, it's another way of looking at this. Um, 
And I think we have to change our way of thinking a little bit here. Yeah. It makes a difference, a big difference. Yeah. And you know that. (laughs) One of the the other things that you note in here, you say my mother could unsee what she had already seen and she could unhear what she had already heard. And then you go on to say, I could do that sometimes, but I had to work at it. And and I can so relate to that because it was so easy. And there was, really wasn't always a rhyme or a reason, which, of course, got me frustrated because I wanted to control and I wanted to know why. And I wanted all of those those pieces with it. But it's like, how how many times in our own lives would we like to have unseen or unheard or unplugged? Yeah. And you know, she had a reason. My mom had a reason for almost any, everything she did. Mm-hmm. She moved into one room in the house. I'll never forget this. She moved slowly. She would take little belongings and move to one room. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was brilliant because when your mind is, is confused and you're having, she knows, okay, parts are getting confused, parts, mm-hmm. parts of her mind, parts that wouldn't it be easier just to confine yourself to one large room? Put everything you need in there, and you don't need any of the materialistic stuff on the other side of the house. You just don't need it. Yeah. And no, you need to even walk over there because you might get lost. She made herself so comfortable in one room. Mm-hmm. I just and every for the, for about a month, I'd see her going about the house with a little bag, take things, put it in her bag, and walk to the back room and then tuck them in places. I didn't bother to put anything back. I just, this woman had a plan and it was brilliant. It really was. She was really comfortable. She just, she was comfortable in that room. Mm-hmm. I have, I have one question for you. You um, had mentioned um, siblings. How, how did your siblings deal with the disease before we let you go? Well, you know, it's hard for them, although we talked every single day. Mm-hmm. It was hard for them because they were in California. They had families. They had other jobs, you know, and they wanted to be there. So that was, it was difficult. But you know what was wonderful? They really trusted me. They trusted me in what I was doing. Because mm-hmm. they, yeah, uh, yeah, they did. And that's pretty, that's pretty cool. They never questioned me mm-hmm. and or any of my decisions. But I let them know every single day what I did. I let them know every penny I spent. I let them know how things were going. But like I said, it's really hard when you're 2,000 miles away. Yep. Yeah. You know, and you can't just disrupt. You can't do things, you know. So it worked out. It really worked out. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful to hear. Well, Zuska, I just uh, totally... um... I just love you to death. I I, uh, I think you are amazing, and I think you are wonderful. Um, I don't even want to say storyteller because it's it's real life, um, but it's just so uplifting and fun and insightful. And I think people will learn so much from your book, Wonders in Dementia Land. Um, so you know, check it out. It's on Amazon, or you can go to her website again, dementialand.com. And keep up the great work, and I hope we see in touch. Uh, hope to see you on the cruise if you can make it. That would be a lot of fun. I, I'm thinking about it already. I'm not a cruise person, but I'll tell you what, I'm thinking about it. Well, I'll be talking with you soon. I love talking with you. If not, I'll be seeing you 
on YouTube all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you take care. Thank you again so okay. much for spending time with us today. For our audience, if you're new to Alive and Social, our uh, group here uh, for the radio, you might want to check out Rachel Perrin's uh, uh, podcast, which is called What's for Dinner Tonight. Um, it's only 10 to 15 minutes long, but it's perfect if you're hungry and trying to figure out what it is you want to eat. Um, for a full menu, you can actually go to kowalskis.com. That's K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I-S dot com. And there, Rachel, um, who is the uh, culinary director for Kowalski's Market, um, has all kinds of uh, menu items for you. So check that out. Um, again, got to give it a plug again for our cruise coming up November um, 11th through the 18th with Holland America. It'll be a Caribbean cruise in conference. Um, very excited to have uh, Harry Urban with us, Michael Ellenbogen, Lori Shear, and Mary Reed, all um, who are living with a dementia diagnosis, will be our speakers, along with myself and Cindy Lazinski um, from Colorado. So if you can make it, we're going to have, uh, really, uh, we, we just figured out all the programming. It's going to be a lot of fun. All of our shows also here on Alzheimer's Speaks um, Radio are recorded, and you can access them anytime. You know, we've got probably six years of shows, so lots of knowledge out there that you can go ahead and tap into. And if you haven't listened to our last Dementia Chats, which is a... Um, it's a video platform where I interview people who um, have dementia. I call them our experts because they know more than any of us. Uh, we had a really interesting conversation about how to communicate with people with dementia, how they want to be communicated with. And I think you'll find some really interesting insights and um, you'll gain a lot of knowledge on how to care better. Um, you'll learn about their senses and how they change their emotions and their behaviors, um, how they're affected by surroundings and, and how that impacts them in their daily lives. On our blog, um, Alzheimer's Speaks blog, you can get 20% off the new edition um, that's coming out of the 36-hour day, which will be available in April. Um, it's the sixth edition, and again, there's a, there's a code there, so you can get 20% off. There's also a, a new trial for mild Alzheimer's that you might want to check into. And what else do I want to tell you? Let's see. I think, you know, just living with the philosophy of your memory chip, which is a tool you can get from our website as well, just focusing on is a person with dementia safe, happy, and pain-free. Until next week, have a great day. Bye now. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.